0: I'm reading this morning from Psalm 22, verses one through eight. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you're enthroned as the Holy One, You're the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted you and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. But, oh, and in you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm, not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults. Shaking their heads, He trusts in the Lord, they say, Let the Lord rescue Him. Let him deliver him, since He delights in Him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Be to God. There's a grave. Between my head and my heart, they say, See, is believing. But well, I only see myself reflected in the currents of the great unknown. I need a savior to carry my.
1: Would you bow your heads and let's pray together. Holy and gracious God, you are here and you hear us when we pray. And so I pray now, God, that the words that I have prepared might be blessed by you so that we might learn from them because with you there is so much that is possible. So gracious God, hear us now. Help us draw closer to you and help us wrestle with this um, very difficult topic. And I pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, as you see, we're continuing in this sermon series called Wrestling with Doubt. And today we are talking about what do we do when we feel God doesn't answer our prayers. And honestly, I tried to come up with a cute beginning. I tried to come up with a funny story like, what could I do to lighten the mood in the room because it's so heavy? And I was completely unsuccessful. So... um, we're just going to dive right in. And when, when you think about this topic, how do, what do we do when we feel God doesn't answer our prayers? You hear the anguish of it when you read the words of the scripture. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? The psalmist is just in the midst of despair. And here's the truth, we don't just feel that God is not answering our prayers, we think God is not even listening to us. We feel abandoned and we feel set aside and and we feel alone and isolated and we don't know what to do with that because that's not the relationship that we want to have. We want, we want the happy, light relationship. We want to, just, we want to know with certainty that, that God is always there and always listening to us. And yet, we often pray these prayers. And it gets, it gets even trickier when you read the Bible, which we should read the Bible. But Jesus says, Time after time, come to me with all of your prayers. Come to me with everything. Ask God for everything, and it will be good. And here, here's two verses. Here's the first one. Would you read this with me? This is from the Gospel of John. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Well, that sounds very positive. How about this one? Read this with me if you would. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. That feels very straightforward to me. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And what are we supposed to do with that? Because i got to tell you, I have prayed, I have prayed hard, I have prayed long, and sometimes they just aren't answered. I have prayed for everything from please change the color of my hair to please make the broccoli go away. to please help me pass this test. I know I didn't study, but if you help me pass it, I will study and it will be great. All to no avail. Never answered. But sometimes, sometimes we pray prayers that have a depth of meaning and hope. Prayers that really matter. I was in college, I was a freshman in college. I was all of 17 years old. And I'm in my dorm room and there's a knock at the door um, and somebody comes to the door and says, hey, there's a phone call for you. Cause back in those days, We didn't have cell phones. We didn't even have phones in our room. The phone was in the hallway. And there was one phone for all of us. Imagine that. And there was a phone call for me. And I said, okay. So I went and answered the phone. And it was my mom. She said, I need to tell you. That your friend, Mary. Has been in a terrible car accident. Mary was one of my best friends. And suddenly... I found myself in my room, on the floor, because my mom said, it's not good, it does not look positive, positive." and I'm lying on the floor, and I think I lied there all night long, and I cried, and I wept, and I pleaded, and I yelled, and I bargained with God, and I said, God, if you will just let her live, I will be a better person. If you will just let her live, I will take care of her. If you will just let her live, I will do whatever you want. All night long, I kept saying, if you will just let her live, I asked God what I wanted for, and in the morning, she died. And I didn't know what to do with it. Like, what am I supposed to do with that line? Ask for whatever you want, and it will be given to you in prayer. Did I not believe enough? Did I doubt? Was I not strong enough in my faith? What are we supposed to do when we pray from the depths of our heart, and we reach out to God, and it feels like, feels like, God is not there? I didn't know what to do with that statement from Jesus. I do know that there is power in the faith of those who trust God. Because the next week I went to Mary's funeral, I think it was the first funeral of a a friend that I had been to and after the service we were at their home and, and her mom said, hey come with me into Mary's room, I want to give you something. And I was a wreck. (laughs) I went in the room and I'm sitting on the bed and I'm crying and I looked at at her mother and I said, Mrs. Nauer, how is it that you are so calm? And, And she said, oh honey, I'm heartbroken. But I'm holding on to the promise that Mary is with Jesus and I will see her again. And how I wished at that time that I had enough faith to overcome my doubt. I wished I had enough faith to trust what Mary's mom did. And it was so difficult. Sometimes sometimes we have moments like that. I I know some of you have been there too. You've been in the in the midst of very hard things. And we wonder, we wonder why some prayers are answered and some are not. I think all of us, everybody in America knows that Buffalo Bills safety, Damar Hamlin, suffered cardiac arrest on the field a week ago. And and medics came and were very heroic and, and revived him and worked really hard on him. And they took him to the hospital and he was in critical condition. He's on life support. And hundreds, if not thousands of people prayed for him. And he got better. And so the question is, Why do some people get better and some people die? Why do some people get completely well and some people struggle for years afterwards? What are we to do with this? Ask for whatever you want and it will be given to you. Is it the quality of the prayers? Is it the depth of the faith of the people who prayed? Why does it happen? Well, if we're to make any sense of this, I'd like to consider this statement from Jesus again. If you will believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So the first thing that that we want to talk about is that scholars will tell you that it is important to take sayings verses from the bible in the larger context so you don't just look at a verse and pull it out and say this is exactly what it means we have all heard people who have done that and said these three words tell you exactly what this means you have to look at the whole picture you have to look at the context of it any scholar especially a biblical scholar will say look at the whole story look at the whole chapter to see what it means and so in this case we also want to look at something else we want to look at um The words of Jesus. What does Jesus mean? When Jesus is talking, what's going on here? And here is one thing um, that is really important to pay attention to, and that is when we read the words of Jesus, we often read them hyperliterally. Hyperliterally. And I want to give credit right now. Adam Hamilton wrote this book called Why Making Sense of God's Will. It is a fantastic book. I can give this much time to this topic. He gives. A book so um, it's it's really really good um, but so here's the deal we we read the words of jesus we take them hyperliterally, and what we should do is take them hyperbolically you understand the difference between there to read them hyperbolically means we take jesus seriously but not always literally When Jesus later on in this very chapter, he says, if you have faith, you can move mountains into the sea. Does he mean you can move a mountain into the sea, or is Jesus saying, if you have the faith, if you will hold on to the power, you will be amazed at what you can do? Hyperbole allows Jesus to make a point quickly and sometimes shake people up. Think, I am so hungry, I could eat a horse. Could you really eat a horse? I think not. When Jesus says, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. Are you supposed to pluck your eye out? I don't think so. I think Jesus is trying to get their attention, much as we do with other people when we make these grandiose statements. He is being hyperbolic. So then when Jesus says, If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Are the words meant to be taken literally, or are they a hyperbolic statement inviting Jesus' followers to pray boldly and with faith? I think it's the latter. Jesus spent so much of his ministry saying, Come, come to God, come to me, talk to me, be with me. Let me teach you what it means to have faith. Let me teach you how we can be partners in this. And then there's these um, well-meaning Christians who will tell us why our prayers aren't being answered. They're happy to tell you, people that are happy to tell you that if you prayed better, you would get more results. If you followed a certain pattern, you, you will do better, like you're filling out a form on Amazon and it will magically come to you. Some people will say, you're not loving Jesus enough. You're not paying enough attention to Jesus. You're not following Jesus enough. You're not, you're not loving enough. You're not doing all the good things. You're, you are not enough. But, but here's what's wrong. Faith is based on grace. Grace is an unmerited gift from God, something that God gives to us freely. We don't earn it, we don't deserve it, and yet it is this gift of grace that God, who loves us unconditionally, will pour out on us. The Apostle Paul, who um, got a lot of grace, writes this in the book of Ephesians. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. There is no scale of good, better, best in Christianity. We are all saved by grace, not by the works that we do. We are saved by grace. The other thing that people will tell you, if you would just confess your sin, you haven't haven't confessed your sin enough. If you will just go to God and say, here's a list of all the things I've done wrong, which can be very long, Jesus will grant you whatever you risk whatever you wish but here's the problem with that if you read the scriptures and you read accounts of Jesus meeting people and healing people Jesus doesn't ask for a confession before he heals a person Jesus heals sinful people all the time Jesus doesn't heal because we are holy Jesus heals because Jesus is holy Confessing our sin is not a requirement. It is something we give to God, but it is not a requirement. And then, then there's this one. You don't have enough faith. Some people say, you don't have enough faith, you doubt too much, but I cannot accept that. If you were here last week, you heard us talk about doubt and faith, and I think if you take the hand of doubt and you take the hand of faith and you walk towards Jesus, Jesus will meet you regardless of how much doubt you have. You remember the man who said he had the epileptic son and he said, Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. Jesus wants us to come forward with all of who we are, whether we have a huge amount of doubt and a little bit of faith, or a big amount of faith and a little bit of doubt, we are encouraged to bring it all to Jesus. I should say, all to Jesus, all to the cross. You have enough faith. But people will tell us all of these things. People will will say, you're not good enough. And when I hear Christians making these arguments, I have to manage my anger. I'll, I'll just confess to you. I hope it's righteous anger. I've been a doubter and I've been a skeptic. I ache for people who are deep in despair and are told they are not good enough. They are not strong enough. They are not healthy enough to, for God to hear their prayers. The God I believe in, the Christ I follow, would not interact in this manner. God wants to meet us in prayer. That is clear all throughout Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation. So, I think for just a few minutes, we need to consider what is prayer. What is prayer meant to be? Many people think prayer should be this beautiful, flowery thing. God is great. God is good. Um, Or all of the memorized prayers, which are beautiful and good. Some people say um, to us, to Lauren or myself, they're like, oh, you pray so beautifully up there. Well, we've been doing this a while. We are professionally trained in this. We know how to pray. But so do you. There is no requirement that your prayers are beautiful and and that you use deep theological statements. That that is not what prayer is for. Prayer is meant to be an interaction with God. It is a relationship. The important piece of prayer is to be in connection with God, to, to meet God time after time, and that means you bring all of who you are. Every piece of you comes to interact with God. And I was uh, talking to Daniel Park, who is our pastor at Restoration Reston, and he he loves to look up the Greek roots of the word. And it's fascinating in this because in the New Testament, in the New Testament, the Greek word for prayer, because the New Testament was written in Greek, the Greek word for prayer is. Are you ready for this? Prasouhamai. Let's say that together. Prasouhamai. If you're really good, you get that in your throat. Try that again. Use that in conversation later today. But here's why I like it. Because what it means is to exchange wishes. And you might read that and go, wishes? We don't wish when we talk to God. But, but listen to it. It means go to God. When we pray, we are telling God our wishes, hopes, and dreams. And... At the same time, we are yielding our hearts to hear and receive God's wishes, hopes, and dreams for us. It is a two-way street. It is not a one-way street. It is a conversation. The psalm that you heard today was written by David, King David, the beloved king of Israel. And he is in deep trouble at this point. He is in grave danger and he's feeling abandoned. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's raw, and we feel like we've landed in the middle of a war, a desolate place. And David continues, I cry out day by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I find no rest. This is King David, the beloved king of Israel, revered for generations. Everybody knows David made mistakes, and yet David continued to come to God. And David is feeling abandoned and lost, and he's teaching us in those words, just bring all of who you are to God. It's okay. David is feeling alone and angry. Here's the other thing. That's, he's not just feeling alone and angry. He is feeling despised, inadequate, and attacked. Listen to this. This is one of my favorite lines in the Psalms. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. And the question for today is, how do we hold faith in the midst of doubt? How do we offer that prayer to God and trust that God is with us? In working on this sermon, I realized what this weekend was. And all these things were coming across my internet feeds. And tomorrow we celebrate the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. A man many of us revere for calm courage, unerring perseverance of justice, his commitment to faith. But if there was anyone who knew what it was to be despised by others, scorned and ridiculed, Surrounded by enemies, it was Dr. King and all of the civil rights leaders that that have gone before us and still go today. They dedicated themselves to the pursuit of freedom for all people. How is it? How did they hold on to their faith when time after time it seemed their prayers were unanswered? There are pictures of Dr. King and, and other civil rights leaders, marchers, as they were about to cross the Edwin Pettus Bridge. And they're praying together. They are holding hands, and they are praying. And then they march across the bridge, and they are met with physical violence and verbal violence. And I'm fairly certain that they didn't pray, oh God, help me be met with violence. Help me be rent with beatings and tear gas and dogs. Help me be thrown in jail. I don't think that's what they prayed. And yet they continued to pray, and they continued to have faith, and they continued even though their prayers felt unanswered. And so I did some more digging, and I'm like, did Dr. King doubt? And I found this sermon that he preached in Montgomery, Alabama. It's during the, uh, the, the, the Montgomery bus boycotts, and it's in the second month of it, and it's getting really hard for the people because this was a... This was a very difficult thing that they did. And in this sermon, he's preaching to Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery. And in this sermon, Dr. King reveals his own struggle in the midst of despair. And he says, there are times that I get despondent and wonder, is it worth it? But then something says to me deep down within, God is able. And that is the work of prayer. To acknowledge our despondency to God and to remember that God is still present. King David does this in this psalm. He, in Psalm 22, even as he's feeling forsaken, he, he acknowledges God. He says, My God. My God. Not some random being, not yours, but my God. You are my strength. Come help me. And then David, one moment, he is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then we walk through the psalm and pretty soon he's praising God. And he says, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. David is in prayer. He is prahuhame. He's exchanging wishes and he's listening to God. And it allows him to move from despair to faithfulness. But that feels too easy to me. Can I be honest? When I read the Psalms, I'm like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But I'm so happy. It's all good. And that asks me, I, I always ask this question. I've, how long did it take to write the Psalms? Like, were they written in one sitting? Did they happen in one sitting? Or possibly, possibly, did, did the Psalms start here? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there's despair and there's heartache. And then you struggle through it. And, and you wonder and you work. And then after some time you get over to here and say, and yet God, I will praise you. I will trust in you. As someone who does a lot of writing, it takes me a very long time to get from here to here. And I wonder if the psalmist did the same thing. You see, we, we read them. We read them and we get the finished product and I wonder, how many days did it take him? How long was he in the desert? How long did he feel abandoned by God and how long did he stick with God? I don't think it was a smooth and easy movement. I think it took time. I wonder if I could talk to Dr. King if he would say the same thing. What's my point? Part of being in a relationship is sticking with it even when it's hard, even when that relationship is with God. Because when we feel that God is not answering our prayers, the easiest thing to do is to walk away and give up and say, it doesn't feel good, I don't like it, I'm not going to do it anymore. But what I would encourage us to do, what I would challenge us to do is when it's hard and we're in the muck and the mess to stick with it, just sit in the despair and the mess of it and trust that God is with you. Pull somebody with you and say, will you sit with me in this despair because I don't like it and I don't want to be alone in this? This is the part of faith that is so hard. Because we want answers. And we want to feel good, and we want to leave suffering behind, and we want to always stand in victory and triumph. And that's not what it means to be human. That's not what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Just read the Gospels. It's not even what we're promised. One of my favorite verses in Scripture, and it's odd that it's a favorite because it's so hard to embrace, is this. It is, um, in this world you will have troubles, but take heart. Do you know what comes next? I have overcome the world. In this world you will have troubles, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And again, you in this world I'm having troubles, but then it takes time. Take heart, I have overcome the world. I do take heart. There is not a season of life when I wonder what my friend Mary would have been like. I wonder what she would have done with her life. She was this incredibly talented musician. And I wonder what she would have been like. And I look to God and I say, why? Why? And I have no answers. But I take heart because I do believe that God has overcome the world and that is what we are called to do and to be. We are called to be here in the mess and just to walk through it and, and to work towards this place where you really can take heart. So today, I, I don't have a thing for you to do. I don't have a list for you to follow. I don't have a task for you to go do but I have an encouragement for you. I encourage you to spend time with God. I encourage you to sit in prayer and take whoever you are there. I encourage you to pray with God. And however you choose to do that, whether whether you come and you bring bring joy and laughter or anger and disappointment and fear, whether it is taking a walk with God or whether it is building a deck with God or whether it is writing a poem to God or singing, however you have conversation, I encourage you to do it. Because we are told that when we pray, God will hear us. And I believe that God will hear us and does hear us. So today I encourage you to do that. Take time to be with God in conversation, prazuchameh, with God. And then, I lied, actually I have one thing that I want you to do today, sorry. I wonder if today or tomorrow you would take time to give thanks to God for all of those people like Dr. King who have given their lives for freedom, for equal rights for all, so that all God's children can feel loved and cared for and welcome. Take time to say a prayer of gratitude for that. Today, to close, the band can come up if they want to. To close today, I want to leave you with a prayer by Dr. King that I thought would be appropriate. I love this picture. You notice they're kneeling in prayer and they don't know what's going to come next. And yet they're praying. Pray this prayer of Dr. King with me. Oh God, in these turbulent days when fear and doubt are mounting high, give us broad visions, penetrating eyes, and the power of endurance. Help us to work with renewed vigor for a warless world Help us to realize that humanity was created to shine like the stars and live on through all eternity. Help us to walk together, pray together, sing together, and live together until that day when all God's children will rejoice in one common band of humanity in the reign of our Lord and our God, we pray. Amen.